as we mentioned earlier, uh, we've got uh, a special weekend coming ahead of us in Encounter Weekend. So if you haven't cleared your schedule already, please do so. This is going to be a powerful time uh, in the same way that we send our, our kids off to camp and we say, hey, you know, let's remove the distractions for a week. Uh, I challenge you next weekend, remove the distractions. And make next weekend a weekend that you just dedicate. You, you say, hey, uh, our family, we're, we're coming to Encounter Weekend. We're, we're seeking God. It's going to be a powerful time because I believe that God is going to change lives uh, like we've just never seen before. Uh, so again, the schedule, just kind of running through that next weekend, Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, is the first service. We also have that pre-service prayer time at 5 p.m. So come on out at 5 and uh, we're going to be praying. And then we'll have our normal Sunday morning service and uh, actually in Sunday school that morning, uh, Tim Enlow will be joining us and, and sharing a little bit about how to pray for people at the altar, how to pray for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then again on Sunday night at 6 o'clock, again with pre-service prayer at 5, and it's just going to be a powerful time. So I encourage you, be here, invite somebody, bring somebody with you, and uh, Tim's going to be speaking just about how uh, Acts 2 changed everything, about how the Holy Spirit uh, poured out in people's lives and the incredible gift that God has given the church in the Holy Spirit. Pastor Sam just talked about how, you know, God gave us his son. He gave us this incredible gift. He gave us grace. And not only does he give us grace, but he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do incredible things. And so I believe that as we head into this encounter weekend, that we don't have to wait till next weekend for God to move. I believe that God can move right here today, that God is going to start moving and, and shaking things inside of us. And, and so rather than waiting till next weekend to get filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe he can do that in you today so that this week he gives you the power to witness and, and share to 10 of your friends and you bring 10 people here next weekend. I, I believe God's going to do great things. Uh, so we're, we're going to start talking Holy Spirit today. Uh, we're going to journey through the, the Old Testament today. Everybody ready to read all of the Old Testament today? You guys good? All right, all right, yeah, all right. We got some energy in the room today. All right, so we're gonna look at the Old Testament and see how the Holy Spirit moved in people's lives. And what we will find is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, uh, there was quite limited access to the Holy Spirit. Not that the Holy Spirit was limited. Uh, he was still amazing and powerful, but it, it was like he only moved in certain people, in just a handful, in, in just a, a choice selection. And so what we see in Acts chapter 2 and how God opens it up to us all, we see how precious this gift is that God has given us, that we have access to the Holy Spirit unlike the world has never known before because of what uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened in Acts chapter 2. See, the Holy Spirit uh, did use people mightily before Jesus' resurrection. You'll read that, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon them or the Spirit of God filled them. And every time you will see these individuals do things that are beyond their capabilities. And as we look at these encounters with the Holy Spirit, you'll see that uh, the Spirit filled someone. And it was always for a reason and only for a season. It was for a reason and for a season. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today is how the, how the Spirit moved in the Old Testament. Do you remember as a kid maybe coming home from school, and uh, you walk into the house, and all of a sudden you just, you smell something, right? And it's a good smell. Mom baked cookies, right? Can you, can you smell that now? You know, just chocolate chip cookies fresh out of the oven. I mean, they're warm, they're gooey. The, the chocolate chips are still a little melted up there, 
right? And you, you get up and you just see a whole counter full of cookies. And uh, man, anybody else getting hungry here? Oh, and you reach up and you think, all right, nobody's looking, you know. I'm going to eat quite a few of these things. And you, you grab the first one and then out of nowhere, mom pops out. Only one, right? Only one because you'll spoil your supper. Come on, mom. Such a buzzkill over here. You know, why, why can I only have one cookie, mom? And you wish you could have more. And then what was even worse is when uh, Christmas rolled around, right? And then mom broke out the special Christmas cookies. You know, the ones that you only got one time a year. They only were, were one season a year. So I, I don't know what your, anybody got a favorite Christmas cookie? Anybody? Nobody? Go ahead, shout it out. What was your favorite Christmas cookie? All of them? Snickerdoodles, sugar cookies? My favorite Christmas cookie as a kid, I don't even know if this is actually a Christmas cookie. It's just what my mom made during Christmas. Uh, she would make these peanut butter cookies with a chocolate star in the middle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not a Hershey's Kiss, a chocolate star. It was special. And uh, so that was just, that was the cookie. That was the one that, that I always wanted. It's like, okay. You know, and you get up there, it's like, only one. You'll spoil your supper. But like, it's Christmas, mom. Come on. You know, let, let me have one. And I would venture to say to you today that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is like the peanut butter chocolate star cookie, right? It only came out for a season and it was for a specific reason and it was only on limited amounts of people. So I, I want to walk you through uh, that journey of how the Holy Spirit moved in the Old Testament. So are you guys ready for some stories today? I get to tell you lots of stories as, as we journey through this. So let's start uh, with a guy named Moses. Now, we spent some time looking at, at Moses, and, and uh, it doesn't say specifically later on, it kind of refers to him as he was filled with the Spirit. But again, it came on him for a reason. It came on him for a reason, because there was a great task at hand that would be impossible through all human means. The Egyptians uh, had uh, taken the Israelites, God's people, as slaves, and this was a mighty nation. This was a powerful nation. They were slave laborers, and, and there was no way to get out. And, and so God had to fill someone with his spirit in order to do something beyond human capabilities, and he selected Moses. You know, Moses, at first, he had tried doing it on his own. He thought, I can do this. I can free my people. I am specially designed. I have been called by God to do this. And so he goes out there, and he ends up uh, just becoming a murderer, and he, he runs away, and he just, it was an epic failure. I mean, he tried his best, but it didn't work out very well. And so he ran off into the wilderness. He became a, a shepherd, and he kind of figured, all right, this is how I'm going to spend the rest of my days. But then when he was 80 years old, uh, he encountered God in a powerful way, the story of the burning bush. And uh, perhaps it was that day, you know, we don't know exactly, but it, perhaps it was that day that the Spirit of God came on Moses, this guy who was a bad rescuer himself. But then God filled him with supernatural abilities to do something beyond, uh, again, beyond his human capabilities. We start seeing miracles. He would throw down his, his staff, it would become a snake. And he'd pick it back up and it would become his staff again. Uh, we see him, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, send down ten plagues on the land of Egypt. The Nile River turned to blood. The, the plague of, of frogs and hail and all these different things. The, uh, and the final one, the death of the firstborn. That every firstborn child died of the Egyptians. It was in that moment that the impossible became possible. And the Pharaoh 
let the people of God go. And they went off into the wilderness, but they chased them down. And all of a sudden, they, they were caught between the Red Sea and, and between the Egyptians. And, and uh, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Red Sea parted. And the Israelites walked through on dry ground. And the Egyptians, when they tried to follow, were, were drowned as the sea came caving back in. And so we see the Spirit of God on Moses, and that's just the beginning of it all, right? Not only uh, did he help the Israelites exit, but now he had to help them enter the promised land. And so we see more uh, miracles happen. We see manna uh, come like dew on the ground. We see uh, water coming from a rock. We see quail dive bombing the Israelites so they can have meat to eat. I mean, this is incredible what God is doing through this one man, through Moses, says that he was given a spirit of leadership, a spirit of, of discernment. Again, we see this in Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. It says the power of the spirit was on Moses' life. So the season for Moses, he didn't have the spirit of God in him his whole life. We, we'd probably venture to say he only had it from the time he was 80. So anybody who's not 80 yet, don't worry. You still got a chance to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Even if you're beyond 80. God, God still has a plan. Right? Because Moses, uh, he did great things, but he was only filled with the Spirit for maybe a third of his life. He, God, God used him to do incredible things. But along the journey, uh, he still needed help. He couldn't do it all himself. When, when Moses went up on the mountain and he received the, the Ten Commandments from God, uh, he also received the plans, the blueprints, if you will, to build the tabernacle, the place where God's presence would dwell on earth. Uh, but the problem was, Moses was a leader. He wasn't a designer. He wasn't a builder. He wasn't a, a, a decorator. And, and so what's interesting uh, is the next people that it says that God filled with the Spirit. So Exodus chapter 31, it'll be on the screen as well. We're going to hit quite a few verses today. Uh, verse 1 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiab, son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. So the next people we see, you know, the next peanut butter star cookies that we see in the Old Testament, were, were a couple of guys named Bezalel and Oholiab. And they weren't these magnificent leaders. They, they weren't doing miracles out there. God put the Spirit of God in them to be artists and craftsmen and designers. I mean, that kind of blows my mind. You know, oftentimes when you think of the Spirit of God coming on someone, you, you think power, you think God's going to give them prophecy, He's going to give them a word to speak. But no, instead He's like, I'm going to show you how to sew, right? I'm going to show you how to, how to cut stone. I'm going to show you how to put these magnificent, magnificent things together so that, that God has an incredible place to dwell here on this earth, to give glory to God. Now, we don't know how long the Spirit of God was on them, perhaps just as long as it took them to build the tabernacle. But the Spirit of God came on these, these artists. As we continue our, our journey through Moses' life, we see at one point, Moses just reaches a breaking point. I mean, Moses has had enough. Some days I feel like trying to parent four kids is a lot of work. 
right? Anybody in that boat? Just maybe even one kid or two kids. Vicky has seven kids. I mean, I, I don't know how she's still making it. Uh, but, but parenting that many is, it, man, that, that's difficult. But Moses had two million. That's, they estimate approximately two million people that he had to lead through the wilderness. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the complaining and the fighting and the, you know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat for supper? Where are we going? When are we going to get there? Of two million people. So eventually Moses, one day he said, I had enough. I had enough. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he just snaps and he starts telling God. And he starts going, he says, God, what did I do wrong that you gave me this task? Like, why? Why me? Why did you put me here? These people are the worst. And he even says, he's like, I am not their mom. Right? I am tired of having to feed them and do all these things. That is not what I signed up here. I signed up to lead these people, not, not nurture them, not, not baby them. They, they are whining. They keep crying like babies saying, feed me, feed me. And he ends by saying, God, if this is the job description, I'm done. Like, take me now. Just take me now. I mean, that's, this is literally what he says. Take me now. So God responds to, to Moses' complaints. Anybody ever complained to God before? Right? It's scriptural. It's, it's all right. God can handle your complaints. God can handle your issues. And, and he does with Moses here. And so he says, I want you to gather 70 elders, 70 people that you can trust, and I, I want you to bring them together. And, and, so, and it's amazing the scene that happens. Again, Numbers 11, verse 25, it says this. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and he spoke with Moses. And he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him, and he put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. So here, again, here's, here's a group. This is the largest, from what we can tell, the largest outpouring of the Spirit in the Old Testament is 70 elders where, where God puts the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that was on Moses, and he puts them uh, into the elders, and they began to speak the words of God. And they began to help carry the burden of the people for Moses so he didn't have to, you know, deal with all of the complaining and all the worrying and, and trying to figure out who's right, who's wrong, and be their judge. But, but he gave the, the 70 the power to lead, and, and it was in a time of need. Again, it was for a reason and, and for a season. During this time, as they continued on and they continued to follow God's lead, nations would get in their way. And so they said, hey, you know, we're on our journey to the promised land. We're, God has promised us that we don't want to do any harm. We don't want to get in your way. So, you know, could you just let us have safe travel through your land? And other nations were like, no, he ain't coming through here. This is our territory. You know, go, go find your own space. And so eventually it led to, to war. And uh, they were in God's calling. They were in God's plan. And, and so God gave the people of Israel victory. Right? He gave his people victory. And all of a sudden, other nations started taking notice. And they're saying, watch out for these people. Like They're coming in, and uh, they're going to be covering the face of the earth. Nobody can stop them. And, and so finally, the, the king of Moab one day, he saw the Israelites coming towards him. And he thought, this isn't good. This isn't good. Uh, how am I going to beat them? And so he thought, I'm going to beat them at their own game. I'm going to hire somebody who knows God. And I'm going to tell them to put a curse on the Israelites. It's going to stop them. It's going to thwart them in their tracks. And, and so we can read the story of, of Balaam, right? Balaam's hired to kind of stop the Israelites to, to put a curse on them. But what's interesting is as Balaam gets up to, to curse them as what he was paid to do, the Spirit comes on him. 
The Spirit of God comes on uh, Balaam, and he, instead of speaking cursing, speaks blessing. He speaks blessing. So it's amazing to see the, the Spirit of God comes down on people, even just to provide a blessing uh, in this time. As Moses got, got older and he neared the end of his life, and he was the guy, you know, with the, the Spirit of God on him. Can you imagine that? One person filled with the Spirit in a crowd of two million. I mean, that's pretty slim. But yet God used him to do incredible things. And, and so they needed somebody else, you know, to be the next peanut butter star cookie. And uh, so they, God lined up a guy named Joshua, Moses' right-hand man. And uh, in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, it says this. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. So we see the, the spirit of God that was in Moses, that, that spirit of authority, that, that spirit of wisdom, that spirit of leadership was passed on to Joshua. So again, just, just one guy in, in the midst of this nation of millions. And so now Joshua, he has the spirit of leadership. He has the spirit of authority in his life. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34 also says he's got a spirit of wisdom. And, and God uh, supernaturally empowers him. And the Holy Spirit comes on Joshua's life. And because of that, uh, Joshua is a great leader. And he leads his people into the promised land. They cross through the Jordan, uh, much like they cross through the Red Sea. They come upon Jericho, this mighty fortress, the, this impenetrable wall. And, and God has them marched around the walls and, and the walls fall down and they conquer Jericho and they go into the land of Israel, the, this promised land, and they conquer much of the land because the Holy Spirit was on Joshua. But then a new era kind of kicks in in the Old Testament. Joshua passes away and, and uh, when he passes away, so does their obedience to God. And they kind of forget about God. And, and we see just kind of a pattern repeat itself. When the Israelites would forget about God, all of a sudden they'd find themselves in captivity. They'd find another nation would come in and rule over them. So the first time we see this, uh, there is a, a group of people, uh, for eight years they were living in captivity. Uh, uh, another nation had come against them for eight years, and they're just living in the promised land, the land God had promised them. But because they're not faithful to God, they're living in captivity. And so in walks a guy named Othniel, the next peanut butter star cookie. Judges chapter 3, verse 10, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Othniel, so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into his hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. So here we see God empower another person through the power of his Holy Spirit, and he gives him victory. He gives him freedom in the land. He, he gives uh, the Israelites peace through operating through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see it's, again, for a reason and for a season. This season just happened to be 40 years, much like Moses. But then Othniel dies, and, and, and so we see, again, the Israelites, they go and they start serving other gods. And so this time, the Midianites come in, and for seven years, they 
control the land. They dominate the Israelites. And so God finds a guy who's, who's hiding from the Midianites because he's scared. And his name is Gideon. Gideon is another judge that we see. And, and so God calls him. Uh, an angel comes down and talks to him. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 33, it says this. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizrites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulon, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. See, the Spirit of the Lord came in on Gideon, this guy who was nervous, this guy who was shy, this guy who didn't have much courage, and it changed him. It made him a bold leader and a bold warrior. And now he's facing this vast army of the Midianites with only 300 men. But the Lord gives him victory. See, the Spirit of God changes people. It changes people. And so it changed Gideon that day. We read the story of many other uh, judges. Uh, judges 11.29 said that the, the Spirit of the Lord came on a guy named Jephthah. And uh, what happened after that was he went in and, and he took 20 cities just kind of on his own. He said, this is crazy. They've been leading. Uh, another group has been in here for 18 years. The Philistines and the Ammonites have been oppressing us. But he went out and did the impossible. And then we read about another guy uh, who the spirit of the Lord came on. His name was Samson. Right? And, and Samson, uh, God used to do incredible things. It, it said that, you know, at one time he took down 30 Philistines just all by himself because the Spirit of the Lord was on him. One time a lion came his way, and it said that with his bare hands he defeated the lion. Wouldn't that be cool? Anybody want to be used by the Holy Spirit in that way to defeat a lion? Uh, I don't know, maybe not at the top of my list. It sounds scary, but, but that would be amazing. You know, and then another day he, he was tied up in cords, you know, he had been taken captive. But he was Samson, so was he ever really taken captive, right? And it said the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he busted through those. And then he picks up a, a jawbone of a donkey and takes out a thousand people, a thousand Philistines. And then at the end of his life, you know, he had some ups and downs in his life. But at the end of his life, it said the Spirit of the Lord came on him again, and he was able to push down the temple, this false uh, a temple of a false god, and, and take out more of the Philistines, more than he had taken out the entire time he'd been alive. And, and God used him in powerful ways. So we see the Spirit of God, again, just one at a time, using these, these judges in the Old Testament. But it was always one. It was always for a season. And it was always for a reason. We'll enter a new phase in the Old Testament, and we start seeing kings come up. No longer judges, but Israel said, hey, can we have a king? We want to be like other nations. Uh, God wasn't too pleased with this because he wanted to be their king, but he said, all right, go ahead, you can, you can do this. And, and so he uh, appoints Samuel to go find the next king of Israel. And in 1 Samuel 10.10, 10, it says that he chose Saul. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he joined in their prophesying. So we see the Spirit of God come on Saul, who was a Benjamite, the, the smallest tribe in Israel and of the smallest clan in his tribe, but yet God used him to do powerful things until, of course, uh, it got to his head and he started thinking he was all that, so he built himself a monument and God said, no, okay, no more. The Spirit of God's not on you. Now I'm going to go put it on my servant David. And, and so God filled David with his spirit, the Again, the youngest in his family, a shepherd boy. But God used him to do incredible things. 
God used him, and, and all throughout his journey, King David uh, was filled with the Spirit. He won many battles, and there was many people along the way who helped him, uh, who, who came alongside him. One of his mighty men, uh, Amasai, came alongside him and said, hey, you know what? The Spirit of God came on me, and I realized that you're the true king that I need to follow, and I'll go with you wherever you want me to go. And so again, after, uh, again and again, we see the Spirit of God pouring out on people's lives, but it, it's just kind of small pockets, just one at a time, just a few at a time. Uh, eventually, you get into the prophets, right? After we have a string of really bad kings, the prophets come, like Isaiah and, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and, and all of these prophets come in, and uh, Elijah and Elisha, and they begin to speak the words of God. It says the Spirit was upon them, and they began to, to prophesy, to warn the kings, hey, watch out. Watch out, because uh, if you do what's wrong, there's a lot coming for you, but if you do what's right, you're going to find blessing. And so over and over again, God would fill the prophets and, and tell them uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit to warn the kings, to warn the people. Uh, at one point, there was a prophet named Jehaziel, and uh, the whole assembly of Judah came together and they said, guys, we're under attack. Uh, there's, there's no way out. Our only plan left, the only thing we can do is seek God. And so in that moment, uh, this prophet stands up, and it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, in fact, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, Then the Holy Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And he goes on to give the battle plan from God. And God downloads this battle plan to him of, you're going to stand here, the enemy's going to be here, you're going to say this, you're going to do this. And they didn't even have to fight and they won the battle. But it's because of what God did. We see Daniel, you know, filled with the Spirit and he's able to interpret dreams and interpret signs and, and, and do all these different things. So the Spirit of God was very powerful in the Old Testament, but it was only for a season and it was always for a reason. Worship team, would you come? So as we look in the Old Testament, we see that, that God didn't fill all people with his spirit, but he only operated through a select few. Some he used for just a day, others he used for, for many years. And the spirit, when the spirit of God filled them, uh, there's a lot of different purposes. Some he used to create, some he used to craft. He gave them boldness. He gave them words to save nations. He gave them words to change hearts of kings. He gave them words to win battles. He gave them words to speak blessing. He gave them words to interpret dreams. He gave them the ability to perform miracles, to have wisdom, to have authority, to, to have discernment in difficult situations. Right? So we see the, the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament but again, just, just for specific seasons and for specific reasons. But as we look at the prophets in the Old Testament, they wished it wasn't this way. Moses, in Numbers eleven twenty nine 29, says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses said that. He said, I, man, I'm one of two million who has this gift. I wish everybody had this gift. Imagine Moses sitting there thinking, what would it look like? If all of God's people had the power of the Spirit, what could happen? Many of the prophets, Isaiah, 
In Isaiah chapter 44, he says, uh, For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. So Isaiah, again, he, he prophesied that God would pour out his spirit. Ezekiel 39 tells us, I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. So this has been prophesied many times, that the, the spirit of God would be poured out on his people, that no longer would just one or two people be filled with the spirit at a time, but, but that this gift would be available to all. You see, something shifted after Jesus came and he died on that cross and he rose again. He told his disciples, I want you to wait. I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I want you to wait in this city until you experience power from on high. He told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. And so the disciples, the followers of Jesus, waited in the upper room for several days just praying, waiting for this gift of the Spirit to be poured out. There's about 120 of them. As you look in the Old Testament, it's kind of doing some math. There was about 120 people that it mentioned. You know, we had the 70 elders. We had a couple other groups of people that we don't have specific numbers on. But it was definitely 100 plus people that, that God had filled with the Holy Spirit in the, in the Old Testament. And now here you've got 120 gathered in the upper room. And so they waited. And in Acts chapter 2 we read that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so that day, the prophecies that Moses, that Isaiah, that Ezekiel, that, that Joel had prophesied were coming into reality. This was the fulfillment. This was the outpouring. It was like God opened up the cookie jar of heaven and just says, you can have it all now, as much as you want. There's no limits on my spirit. Now it's going to live inside of you. Church, do you understand the gift that we have? The gift of the Holy Spirit that God has promised to his people. He's a good father and says if we ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to us. The Holy Spirit can, can fill us. Uh, Peter, when he gave up to, or stood up to give his sermon on that day after this day of Pentecost, and everybody's like, what is going on? He, he said this promise, this promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Well, guess what? Just like God called Moses, just like God called King David or King Saul, just like uh, God called Samson or the prophets, he called Elijah and Elisha, today God is calling you. He's calling you. And he's saying, I've got a great reason. And this is the season because we've got a great task at hand, right? We've got a great task. We've got an impossible task to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. 
That's, that's what's ahead of us. That's where God is calling us to do, and we can't do that on our own. The only way we can do that is if we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter quoted the prophet Joel in his sermon in Acts chapter 2. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, the season, it talks about it in here. It's the last days. We're living in the last days. And we've got a mission to share Christ with everyone on this planet. Everyone on this globe that all would know, that all would hear. And he is calling you. And I'm so thankful that you don't have to be, you know, some special person. Right? You don't have to be the the greatest. You don't have to be the leader. You don't have to. No, God is calling you. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. And he's saying, I've got a helper to come alongside you and fill you. And the Holy Spirit is going to take you to do things that you didn't know were possible. You know, maybe it's using the, maybe he's going to use you to create, to do things to glorify God. Maybe he's going to give you words. Maybe he's going to help you to speak to kings. Maybe he's going to help you to speak to your neighbor. That God's going to give you the boldness, right? He says, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. And God can do that in your life today. So would you stand with me, church? And I just want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to move in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. These are your people. And Lord, we pray that right now that you would even begin to to fill your people with the Holy Spirit. God, that you would just anoint us. God, there's a big task out there. Lord, there's more than we can handle. God, there's impossibilities out there. Lord, there are captives out there, just like they were in Egypt. There are captives out there who need freedom today. And and we have the words, God. we We have the God who wants to free them. But Lord, use us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can set captives free. Lord, there's so many things out there. There's so many walls that need to be broken down. like Joshua around Jericho. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit so we can see walls come down in our community, so we can see walls come down in our schools, so we can see walls broken down in our family and in our own hearts. Lord, I believe you want to fill people so they can give words, words from God. Lord, I thank you that that your Holy Spirit was moving this morning. Lord, and we heard words from the Lord that that you said that we need to call on you God, that you are with us. So today we call on you, God, and we pray that you would fill us. God, fill us to overflowing, that we would be more like you, that we could be used by you. Lord, make us desperate. Make us desperate for you. Lord, I thank you for this amazing gift that you have given us, that you are pouring out. And today, God, even as we go into this week, this encounter weekend that's ahead of us, started in us now. God, let's not wait. But God, would you operate in your spirit right now as we stand, as we lift up your name. In Jesus' name.
Amen. The worship team is going to lead us, but I want to challenge you as we sing, as we go, uh, let's come and let's use this altar. Let's seek God. If you're seeking after the gift of the Holy Spirit, come on down. We want to pray with you. If you just need more of the Spirit in your life, come on down and let's seek God together. But let's be desperate for Him. Let's be hungry for Him. And let's start this week the right way. Let's go after Jesus.
Would you take us to a new level of your mercies, a new level of your grace, that we'd understand you more. God, that we would be used more like you. God, we just want to be more like you, more like our Savior. So Lord, empower your people today. Empower your people. God, as we go from this place, God, may we not go in our own power, but may we go in the power of the Spirit that you would help us to to do things that are beyond our capabilities. And when we look back at the end of this week, we would say that the spirit of the Lord was in me. So Lord, we thank you. Lord, I pray that you would move in your people. Lord, I'm so grateful that the gift is for everyone. It's not just for a select few, but God, you have poured out on your church. So may we not reject your gift, but God, may we embrace it Thank you, Lord. We are grateful. Be with us as we venture into our city, as we venture into our communities this week, that you would help us to be your light. Help us to be a witness in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, these altars are still open. I encourage you. Take as much time as you need today, but go in the power of the Holy Spirit today.